This program deals with themes of an adult nature and is intended for a mature audience. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside of this world. We must guard against the military-industrial complex. UFOs, paranormal phenomena, and deep analysis of current world events from somewhere in the desert between Area 51 and Roswell, blasting across the planet, the Manticore Network proudly presents Fairy Facts, because the truth will set you free. Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! The power they took from the people will return to the people. The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. Shall I tell you what I find beautiful about you? You are in charge of the best when things are worse. Sooner or later, though. You always have to wake up. Be skeptical, but don't close your mind. Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, Please make yourself at home. I want to thank you, Veritas member, for making Veritas possible. Please subscribe at VeritasRadio.com to listen to both segments of tonight's interview and all of our material. Tonight's special guest is legendary pioneer of UFO contactee research and reincarnation, Dr. Leo Sprinkle. You will find Professor Sprinkle to be remarkably candid and insightful and he has such a refreshing and inspirational take on the phenomenon. He has played a very important role in the very strange history of UFO research, starting back in the early 1960s. At 82 years old, he's at the top of his game. I am told he was the first person to use hypnosis to regress a UFO contactee, and is the inspiration for the experiencer sessions you see at most UFO-related conferences. Tonight, we'll discuss the psychology of alien contact and abduction, and even reincarnation and past lives. Dr. Leo Sprinkle will be with us shortly. And visit the very test store for MMS. It's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. And our metal case USB drives with all of our seasons and bonus material. And to get in touch with us for member support, media inquiries, you want to be a guest or are a whistleblower? There is a link for you by clicking on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. 
Long before, it was popular to explore the extraterrestrial presence. Dr. Leo Sprinkle was quietly, professionally, and sensitively working on this great mystery. He became a lifeline for those who had experienced unusual contact. This legendary pioneer of research into the UFO contactee and reincarnation phenomena will share his personal story and the insights that he has gathered over the many years. With his professional psychological training and his incredible natural metaphysical gifts, Dr. Sprinkle reaches conclusions and insights that have escaped others. Dr. Sprinkle provides a unique perspective in the psychology of alien contact and abduction and injects necessary humor and ubiquitous grace and even takes us to the science, you heard right, the science of past lives. For this and much more, Dr. Leo Sprinkle is coming up next. This is Mel Fabregas and you're listening to Veritas. Thank you for listening to Veritas. It is important. Professor Leo Sprinkle is a legendary pioneer of UFO contactee research and reincarnation. He wrote a book titled Soul Samples, Personal Explorations in Reincarnation and UFO Experiences. Dr. Leo Sprinkle presents information gathered from hundreds of hypnosis clients and participants in psychological studies. He began his career in psychology with the idea of being a conventional, practicing, quote-unquote, scientist in the traditional sense. However, two close encounters with UFOs shattered Dr. Sprinkle's conventional reality and shifted his direction in life. After the second incident experienced with his wife, he knew that he had to investigate the UFO phenomena and that it would be a lonely task. Dr. Sprinkle began his investigations from the conventional viewpoint, but found he was unable to make further progress until he became aware of and accepted the physical aspects of UFO phenomena. He became more and more skeptical, ironically not of the reality of quote-unquote flying saucers, but of the concept of quote-unquote reality as defined and developed by current scientific community. Dr. Sprinkle received his Ph.D. in counseling psychology from the University of Missouri in 1961 and has appeared on national television programs on ABC, NBC, and nationally syndicated radio shows. He has also appeared on many panels with scientists such as J. Allen Hynek and Carl Sagan. He has been invited to speak at several international conferences and numerous other meetings and conferences. With this pioneering view of the roles contactees played within the UFO ET phenomena, he started the first UFO investigation conference for contactees held on the campus of the University of Wyoming. And we have a more extended biography on our website. And directly from Laramie, Wyoming, I'm honored and privileged to welcome Professor Leo Sprinkle to Veritas. Hello, Professor, how are you? I'm, I'm, I'm well. Thank you so much, Mel. It's my pleasure having you on. I was, as I was telling you offline, it was our mutual friend Mike Cleland who provided a lot of information that I've been able to devour in the past few days. And thank you for sending me the, sending me the book and all the material that you sent me. I really appreciate it. You're most welcome. I have to ask you right from the beginning, 
in reading all of your material. You are 82 years old. And I usually don't mention ages, but I have to, to ask you because I've been watching all your, your presentations. And honestly, I cannot believe that you are 82. How do you <laughs> keep yourself so young? Well, there are various reasons. I jokingly, as I told you, uh, say that I'm trying to get old, but my wife won't let me. Uh, Marilyn and I have been married over 60 years, and she's a delight, not only as a person, but as a partner, lover, as a wife, and uh, now as not only mother, but grandmother. So she's the main reason for my longevity. Uh, then also, I... Uh, I follow the creed that I take meds, meditation, exercise, diet, and smiles. Uh, Marilyn and I get up at 4.30 in the morning, as we did this morning. I do my stretches, then we go to the gym at 6. Then I come back so I can rest at the office. So it's uh, it's an ongoing pleasure not only to uh, have such a delightful companion, <clears throat> but also to work with so many interesting people, as I've done over the years. Not only the scientists, but most particularly the uh, ET experiencers. And not to discount or dismiss your work, but this this specific uh, uh, topic that you just discussed and MEDS, M-E-D-S, is, is <laughs> worthwhile to anybody listening to this interview. But I have to ask you also, um, when we think of academia, and you, you went through this, do we need a PhD to talk with conventional scientists? <laughs> well, uh I'd like to think that the uh, notion of science is changing. <clears throat> if it's of interest to you and your listeners, I'd be glad to rattle off some names of uh, people who've written various books about new science. But briefly speaking, <clears throat> uh, the old science uh, has a view of the of the universe and reality as uh, dead. <clears throat> the uh, There's no life in planets. There's no life in rocks. <clears throat> there is a separation between what people call a matter and spirit. That's the old science. Uh, the new science, uh, not only in terms of uh, the physicists who are talking about uh, <clears throat> the photons and how they can be synchronized, uh, the cells are synchronized, that everything is connected, the holographic universe, the conscious universe. Carl Kahneman has a book called The Purposeful Universe. This view is that uh, energy and consciousness is the main component uh, of what we call reality or what we're living in. <clears throat> so with the view that uh, uh, matter is just uh, slow energy or slow consciousness and uh, spirit is faster or vibratory. Uh, that view is so exciting to me because when I work, uh, not only from a personal standpoint, but from a professional standpoint, when I work with uh, contactees and ask them to take surveys, I find that their attitudes about uh, science, <clears throat> about reality, about consciousness uh, are more pertinent and closer to that model than the average uh, average conventional scientist. So I'm not sure if we need a PhD in order to talk with scientists, but at least uh, I think more and more scientists are looking at energy and consciousness as a way to explain what's going on. And I've called tonight's show The Psychology of Alien Contact and Abduction. And to that, we'll also add reincarnation and past lives 
which is also a, a, an area that you discuss. But, you know, I've talked to a lot of people who say that now that they're awakening, I, you know, I, now they have new colleagues and they approve when talk, they talk about all these subjects. It reminds me of my new profession as a radio host. Before that, I was unable to speak my mind about all these topics. And it's refreshing to say that I have new friends, new listeners, and they approve of these topics. Did that happen to you? Yes. Uh, <clears throat> at the... Uh... Uh, University, Colorado State University, I was listening to a physicist talk about <clears throat> his experiences, and I was going to be next on a TV uh, videotaping, <clears throat> and I was fretting about, you know, what would happen and how I should talk about it. And uh, he had such a delightful comment when the, the interviewer said, what do your colleagues think about your work in uh, ESP, reincarnation UFOs? He said, well, I have new colleagues. And I thought, ooh, how good. So I asked him if it was okay if I use that term uh, <clears throat> because it, it was difficult at times when I was at the university. I I started off in 61 to 64 at the University of North Dakota and knew that one of the things I needed to do was to survey <clears throat> UFO experiencers. Uh, then we came to the University of uh, Wyoming in 64 and for the first few years, it was good. Uh, then it became more difficult because not only was I a professor of psychology, but a <clears throat> assistant associate professor, but also I was uh, a staff psychologist in the counseling center. And so, for example, I was told one time face-to-face -face and also in writing that I should not engage in uh, reincarnation research or UFO research during office hours. I thought, okay, I know how to play that game. So when I would have a student, for example, a young man came to me who was a cutter. He would slice his body with a razor. And uh, as we uh, worked uh, in hypnosis, <clears throat> found out that past life suggestions were that he had been uh, a person who would stab others. Others would stab him life after life. And so I started working with him at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. <clears throat> that way I could be... Uh, moral. I would follow the instructions that I was not to engage in reincarnation research during office hours, but I could also be ethical. I could help my client. And uh, he was so bright. His scores, uh, academic scores, were higher than mine and most uh, academic people. Uh, we got to the nexus. We found out <clears throat> that he was so bright and so psychic, he knew how to size up other people in a glance. And he could say things that would piss off other people. They'd get angry at him, and then he'd get angry at them, <clears throat> and um, then he'd wind up dealing with his moral dilemma. Is it better to uh, stab other people, or is it better to, to stab myself? And it was more moral to stab himself. So I helped him get to the point where he could learn how to use his sharp tongue instead of a sharp blade to deal with other people not uh, so confrontational. Uh, so I thought I was playing the game very well, but then I began to realize the game was not uh, to play that game. The game was to push Leo out. So in 1989, I resigned from the university after 25 years and went into private practice. Uh, so I have my little story all set <clears throat> that when disclosure occurs, a disclosure of the ET presence, I walk over to the campus, I talk to the spirits of my deceased colleagues, and I say, I'll, to I'll say, I told you. And they'll say, we knew it all along, Leo, so I won't have the last laugh. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> but I'll still be standing. <laughs> and, and I have to tell you, I was telling this to you offline. I think that uh, one of the reasons why you look so young is because of of you inject humor, even in a very serious topic as these are. It's necessary to to keep some humor and to yes. keep a, a light conversation sometimes. But I think of the word skeptic which comes from the Greek noun skepsis, uh, which means examination, inquiry, consideration. Why do some quote-unquote scientists say they don't want to look at all these topics because they're not scientific? Isn't science to observe, to study, good and to research? Yes, good question. When I first started off in the 60s, the game that was being played between UFO researchers was the skeptics versus the believers. The skeptics were male, they were uh, intelligent, educated Uh, they were uh, technically and scientifically sound. Uh, whereas those of us who were believers, we were fuzzy-minded. We didn't know uh, weather, uh, climate. Uh, we didn't understand basic uh, science. <clears throat> well, then the game changed a few years later from uh, skeptics versus believers to skeptics and debunkers versus believers and knowers. Uh, because so many people who called themselves skeptics were not skeptic. As you say, they were not uh, studying, they were not inquiring. Uh, <clears throat> I remember one conference in Canada, a reporter asked me, uh, he said, Leo, how do you deal with skeptics? And I said, well, if they're skeptics, I'll tell you. But if they're debunkers, I said, I don't really like to talk with them. They're not much fun. Uh, <clears throat> I said, if a person is a skeptic, I say to them, uh, read a thousand reports, talk to a hundred people who've had ET encounters, have your own encounter, and now we can talk because now we have something to talk about. We are knowers. We're not just believers. Well, speaking of the art of the debunkery, I like your comments about this. Uh, you say that when people have a conversation, one tries to maximize what uh, he or she's saying and minimize the other party's point of view, the yeah. upmanship. Do you yeah. think this is ego taking over? I think so. I think this is the patriarchal uh, status, <clears throat> although in my opinion the patriarchy is coming down, and that's what's uh, the struggle all across the planet uh, <clears throat> about whether the patriarchal system can uh, uh, survive. At one time it was useful to have the uh, the patriarchal attitude that the male is superior to the female, <clears throat> the male can go out and explore, discover, and control Uh, but then uh, the extreme point of view has taken over so that not only does the man uh, po uh, protect the women and children, the man possesses the women and children. <clears throat> and uh, so I think that that system is falling down because it doesn't fit in with the new scientific model. Um, the uh, the debunkers that I uh, met, sometimes met on radio or TV programs Dr. Menzel, for example, brilliant man. He was professor of astronomy at Harvard. Phil Klass, very bright uh, uh, journal uh, guy who was interested in aviation. Uh, many others. Dr. Carl Sagan, I, have, I met with him on a TV program in 1966 in New York City. We were talking with Betty and Barney Hill about their uh, UFO encounter and their uh, hypnosis sessions. There's one scene that I got kind of tickled. Uh, we were sitting or discussing uh, <clears throat> Betty and Barney Hill's uh, reactions to their hypnosis session. And Dr. Sagan, he looked at um, 
Betty, and I said, now, Mrs. Hill, he said, you you say that your memory during the hypnosis session was that the ET examiner placed uh, something in your navel. <clears throat> she nodded and said, yes. Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.